You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue. My name's Dan Rowan, so I'm joined this evening by John Townley as we talk about Manchester United 1, Aston Villa 0. The 10-game unbeaten streak comes to an end. The we score in every game under Unai Emery comes to an end. The race for European football is still well and truly on. I think the top four is probably beyond us now, which is a shame. That is uh, probably never going to happen. And I think there was a predictor of us getting top four was like 0.1% or something. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's out the window now. So boo, no Champions League for next season. But top six, top seven is definitely still on. Four games to go. We'll kind of talk about the wider picture, little bits from Man United. But today's show, I wanted to be guided by the live comments that are watching along on Facebook and YouTube. So if you've got a question or a comment or an opinion that you want us to talk about, We'll get our initial kind of thoughts out of the way and then we're just going to dive into the comments and go a bit more interactive than usual. John, first of all, how are you? How's things? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, difficult that we've lost this afternoon, but to be honest, I think a lot of fans are kind of taking it as, uh, you know, we sort of take the medicine on this one and go go for Wolves next week. There's four games left of the season. No, one's in a, no one had expected us to be competing for Europe. If we get it, then fantastic. There'll be a tinge of disappointment if we don't, but hey, Four games left. We're still well within a shout of uh, getting it. You know, Spurs have just lost in the last minute again um, today, blowing another lead. They seem to do that most weeks if they're not already losing uh, or lose the game. So, yeah. I, although I, obviously it's not in our hands because Brighton have got games on us, and mm. um, you know we're still going to have to beat Spurs at home and things like that, and hope that they slip up even more. So, it still feels like it's within our own destiny a little bit, which is great going into the last four games. And as I say, we've lost today, but. Yeah, there's no sort of disappointment from my end. We'll um, yeah, let's just attack the last four games and see see what he can get us. Well, the, today's results saw us drop down to seventh. But if the Spurs Liverpool game went slightly differently, and yes, Spurs losing is good. But if they lost by a couple more, we'd have actually gone back up into sixth on goal difference. So it's it's still very very tight. Yeah. Um, we played the same amount of games as Spurs. Now we're level on points. Their goal difference is two better. Liverpool have had one game less, but have two points more than us both. And Brighton are behind us on 52 points, but three games on us and Spurs and two games on Liverpool. But we've talked about the kind of running before. Brighton have got a lot of games in quick quick succession. How will that affect them against Wolves yesterday? Didn't affect them at all. Um, we'll talk about Wolves and Villa as well uh, towards the end of this show, I guess. Um, the kind of running, I guess, and we will talk about Man United in a sec. The way I see it is that we want Spurs to keep losing because I yep. think they're the most vulnerable. There was a stage where I thought, maybe two or three weeks ago, that if top four is possible, which I never really thought it was, but it was kind of like, oh, Man United, and maybe they're the ones to drop out. They've been knocked out of the Europa League. They've gone far in the FA Cup. They uh, went to extra time in the semi-final. They looked a little bit leggy against Spurs and gave that lead away. If we'd have beaten them today, you'd have gone, oh, maybe Man United are going to be the ones to drop down into the, into the mix. Not for Villa to get top four, but to kind of drag someone else back into it. Now they're kind of guarantees for top four but all but all but done I would say um, them and Newcastle so kind of forget about those for now Liverpool will win most games left I think and probably finish fifth and then it's between us and Brighton and Spurs for sixth and Brighton yes I've got a lot of games but if they do keep picking up points in the way they do I think they're probably not favourites for the top six but you'd put them up there Villa on the run they've been in would probably go into second favourites for the top six and Spurs the run they're on are probably the most likely to drop all the way down to eighth which would be quite the fall off considering where they were six weeks ago or so. Um, so Spurs keep losing, Brighton slip up here and there, Villa win 
two two games out of the last four, three games out of the last four. It's a big ask, of course, but we are playing the sides around us. The tweet I put out after full time was that yes, it's a the ten game streaks over, etc. But take this loss, regroup. If you go unbeaten in the next four, which again is also a tough ask. If that's all you do, stay unbeaten and you win two, draw two, you've probably done enough to get into the top six or certainly the top seven, you'd like to think. Um, but it's on Villa now to kind of regroup yeah. and go, right, there's still a lot to play for. Let's not be too doom and gloom about a one little away at Old Trafford. Yeah, I think finishing in, 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 sorry, in the top six, so five or six, I think that was always going to be a tall order. Even a couple of weeks ago or before the Brentford game or after we beat um, Fulham, that to me, was always going to be difficult because although Brighton got a lot of games and half of them are against teams in the top four, that's still an incredible team. And as we saw against Wolves, they rested Matoma. Um, mm-hmm. of the top yeah, Casado, and then I think there was another one as well. Uh, and they blew Wolves away. And that probably says as much about Wolves as what it does about Brighton. But mm. again, like Liverpool, their games that they've got, you'd expect them to win all of them. Probably won't happen. But and I, I do think there's a bit of a soft underbelly with Liverpool at the moment as well, because they've just about got through Forest. They, although they blitzed Spurs in the first five, ten minutes today, but that's Tottenham again. Um, they probably shouldn't have won that game in the end, should they? So mm. there's weaknesses in the teams that are around us. But yeah, Spurs has to be the team that are going to drop out of it for me because Liverpool, I presume, will finish fifth because of the just because of the games, and they will want to finish fifth as well. Um Brighton, yeah, difficult with Brighton because they have games on us, but at the same time, yeah, tricky fixtures and a lot of them, but they're a good team themselves. So I think seventh is probably what we're going to have to aim for because I, I'd have thought we're probably going to have to win three, to be fair, over the last four. Because although Spurs aren't brilliant at the moment, we're going to have to beat them, plus they're going to have to continue the poor run that they're on. But yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, just just the thought of not finishing in the top seven now fills me with a bit of like, oh, you know, kind of gets you down a little bit just thinking about it. But, you know, like mm. Wolves is going to be really tough. I think they're in the top six since Lopetegui came in and they've got a really good home record apart from the one that they lost against Bournemouth or Leeds or whatever it was. But the home record's been really good up until now. Um, and then obviously we're going to have to beat Spurs. That's a must win. Uh, Liverpool away is going to be tough. And then Brighton's a must win in the last game of the season. And obviously... If we have to win that or we have to get a draw, whatever it may be, you're back of it to do it on the final day. But it's getting there and it's how how are we going to get over this defeat? And to be honest, I don't think this is going to take much out of us, if I'm being perfectly honest. But just because mm-hmm. I think we actually cope with the game well. Emery was disappointed that we didn't control it. And I agree, I don't think we did in certain stages. But that's a Man United team that we've only lost once at home all season. And that was against Brighton on the first day. So, you know, it's probably the hardest place to go in the Premier League apart from possibly... The, uh, the Etihad um, so yeah we, we can't be too downbeat on this performance but I think Wolves away that that's going to be the sort of um, you know don't get me wrong if we don't beat Wolves we're not out of the European picture altogether but I do think that is uh, you know I'd, I'd almost go as far to say if we don't win that I, I don't know if we will get European football because we then have to beat Spurs have to beat Brighton and probably get something out of Liverpool too which will, again will be, you know, I wouldn't bet against us doing that, but that's going to make the job a whole lot harder if we don't beat Wolves. Um, and what's the saying? Like a, a wounded, a wounded animal is probably more dangerous than the dangerous than Wolves. You know, Wolves losing six one is probably going to. I don't think that's going to help us in any way. Or was it six nil even? That's going to help us at the weekend. That they're not going to be playing or playing as as lacklustre as what they were against Brighton against us in front of home fans. One of the Last time games of the season, obviously it's a big rivalry for them, more so than for us. Um, so yeah, we'll see what Wolves brings us. But 
yeah, today again can't be too disappointed, but we need to get back in the saddle now and, and get a good, good, good result against Wolves. Yeah, I mean, we said we'd talk about Wolves later, and this is the post Man United show, so we will talk about the Man United game in a sec. But we've talked about Wolves, or you've talked about Wolves there, so let's kind of get it out of the way, I, I suppose. Them losing 6 0 to Brighton yesterday and then being absolutely up for it next week is nailed on, isn't it? I mean, they'll, they'll want a reaction from that. Like I say, you won't stand for that. You mentioned their home record, which I think they've won six out of eight at home or something of, of the last eight. It's something like that. Um, so it's their cup final, isn't it? At, at this stage of the season, if they're on the beach, you know, bouncing back from a bad defeat and beating the Villa would be, you know, absolute dreamland for their lot, wouldn't it? So you'd expect them to be fully up for it. You now have also got the fact that Villa have got to bounce back from a defeat as well. And yes, it's nothing like the, the 6-0, but Una Emery won't stand for today either. And whether we were good or bad or should have got something or not, you want to bounce back and have a reaction and go away to Wolves and win because that'll be the mentality. They'll want to win every single game. If you are going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season, beat Wolves first and have a bit of a mini resurgence, maybe then. Is it is it Wolves, Spurs, Liverpool, Brighton? Or Wolves, yeah. Liverpool? So if you beat Wolves and Spurs, then Liverpool, you might nick a draw or you say you lose. On the last side of the season, if it comes down to having to beat Brighton to get into the top seven, I would back us to do that and that would be winning three out of four and, and that probably would be enough to do it. But that Wolves game is it's always one that you'd identify as being difficult just because of what it is, whether it's a, a, a rivalry to not, or not to us is, is irrelevant. To them it is and at their place, they'll be up for it. I would almost have preferred them to have got something against Brighton yesterday, firstly to take points of Brighton and also to maybe kind of extend their on-the-beach mentality for next week. To lose in the way they did, you might, you might, it does make you think there'll be some kind of reaction and they'll love to beat Villa and, and stop us in our track. So that will be difficult. But it, again, that's probably the kind of test to go. If you can do go to Wolves and beat them off the back of that and pile on the misery for, for their lot, that would fill me with confidence for the following three games to go right. Yes, Spurs, Liverpool and Brighton are the tougher games than Wolves, but Wolves is a tough kind of circumstance as well on, on top of it. So if you get through that, are then almost back us to go and get something against the better sides as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, to be honest, I just view the, game, the Wolves game as must win because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be particularly confident going into the last three if we've only drawn that game because then we're going to probably have to at least win against Brighton and Spurs which puts a load of pressure on that Spurs game um, and I know Spurs have been battered against uh, Newcastle but then they come back against United and then they, they probably should have come back against Liverpool or they did up until the last second so that, that Spurs team isn't down and out just yet either so although I don't think we'll beat them that Wolves game's huge because if we don't beat Wolves, then all of a sudden the teams that are around us going into that last game of the season, you're probably going to think, "Oh, well, we're going to have to have, we'll have to beat Brighton, and we'll have to hope other teams do us favours against teams who are good." Obviously, being Liverpool, Brighton, Spurs. So, yeah, Wolves is huge. I think that's probably the biggest game that we're going to have, um, or we've we have had since uh, since that West Ham game to stay up in 1920 uh, potentially, unless I've missed one. Obviously, excluding. Uh, cup games or whatever but yeah Wolves is huge you have to win that game now I, I almost don't care about performances that's out the window at this stage of the season just get the job done um, but yeah it's going to be difficult because that Wolves side again is what presumably the penultimate home game of the season Villa at home it's as you say it's the cup final and there'll be um, yeah that'll be a crowd bang for blood as well because Wolves have done well under Lopetegui it's not going to be toxic there or anything they're going to be backing Wolves so 
yeah, it will be really tough. And it's just a shame that we couldn't help ourselves today by just nicking a point or something or not conceding. Um, But we have, and this is the position we're in. And again, it's such a good position to be in going into the last four. It's just uh, those last three are really um, difficult games. And yes, they're against teams that are around us. But yeah, you've got to to go off to a good start against Wolves and beat them. Because if we don't, I'm probably looking at the last three then and thinking, well, we're going to have to get results against all of them, I would have thought. Because Brighton's form isn't going to change, I don't think, even though they've got a lot of games. Um, Liverpool, I would have put in fifth. And yeah, you have to beat Spurs anyway. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think Wolves will be huge. Let's talk about Man United then. I've starred 10 comments. You can now star the live comments that come through so I can actually keep track of the things we want to talk about. So let's get some uh, conversation about Man United going in the comments as well, please. And we'll come to those in a second. Uh, the first one I want to mention from Mr. Cheesify. He said, <laughs> great name. Should we start making changes given how tired and stretched we've looked? If yes, who can come into the side? I mean, if the, the second part is the difficult thing there, who can come in? Um, I think after... The Fulham game, we said about Villa kind of not having to get out of first gear because they didn't have to. And if Fulham had have scored, I'd have backed Villa to come out fighting and, and got another because it was that kind of game that felt it was in Villa's control. The opposing argument to that was that Villa were tired, jaded, had come to the end of a you know the run out of steam kind of thing. And it wasn't them playing out of first gear, out of choice. It was just that they couldn't kind of expend any more energy than that. I kind of countered that with saying, well, Fulham were poor, didn't, th- didn't threaten us, so we didn't have to do any more. I kind of feel like if that if the same arguments are being said today about Man United, I'd have to kind of sit back and say, yes, I agree that it does look a bit more like a tired side at this point and a side that has put a lot in to the last 10 games or so. And then we'll talk about kind of the disappointment if we miss out and, and those kind of things and the perspective of where we were when Emery came to where we are now and you know, if the season finished now and we lost every game, you'd still say it's a good it's a good season, which would feel weird and disappointing because you don't want to lose that many games at the end. But you know what I mean? It does feel like a bit of a tired side now and that first 11 has put in a hell of a lot over the last few weeks. It's the same starting 11 every week. Our injured players don't seem to be coming back. You look to the bench and you're calling on Traore, John Duran. Yes, they might make an impact every so often. Leicester away, for example, for Traore, but it's not a, it's not a banker. You're not looking at the, the bench and thinking... Like Newcastle, they can bring on Almiron or Callum Wilson and somebody that's already in form. We're relying on somebody who's not been in the, the team to come in and, and change it, and they can't effectively. So, do you agree that we that we look tired and stretched? And if we and if we do, which I think we both think we do, what can we do to change it? Unless Kamara <coughs> and Cash and whoever else are suddenly fit next week, it's going to be the same eleven, I think. Yeah, Emery said after the game that he's hopeful that maybe a couple of the injured players will be able to come back for the squad against Wolves, but then counted it by saying, but obviously they're, they're coming, most of them anyway, coming out from like a month out. So they're not going to be ready to start and make much of an impact, but just coming off the bench will probably help. And to be fair, we do have a week, don't we? Or six days for Wolves. So it's not as if we're playing Monday, Tuesday again, like the likes of Brighton will be. So that is a plus uh, this stage of the season. Um Against United, yeah, we did look jaded and slightly stretched because th- there was points in the game where obviously we were playing a high line so we could win the ball back um, higher up the pitch and then take it into their final third, you know, more regularly. But that didn't seem to happen. We, I don't remember us having a sort of significant spell of pressure in and around their box. And considering the system that we've played, that that's the whole reason why we played it, basically. Although the ball's coming over our back line more often than not, 
the reason why we've done it is to to you know to counter that and I don't think we had the legs in the team to get up and down the pitch to to, to basically play that system as well as what Emery wanted and he did say as well after the game that we, we are playing United and playing a team that although we're trying to play that sort of system and play that sort of way it was always going to be difficult and I think he probably knew that it's made more difficult because we've played what three games in eight days um the same players the same subs as well so it's not there's not much sort of um creativity in terms of what we're doing at the moment again that's not criticism at all because we've put in the absolute maximum over the last 10 games because the players that are missing you know Coutinho he wasn't really starting was he I know he started the Arsenal game when he scored and then got injured um Bailey was starting for the most part, but at the same time, he was. Emmy Buendia was also playing a fair share of games from the off. Um, Matty Cash was starting, to be fair, at the time, but then Ashley Young comes in and does well. And I've missed one out. Uh, Kamara obviously was starting to. So, yeah, hopefully for Wolves, we can get a couple back, but I don't think they'll be starting unless um, they get a really good, good week's worth of preparation in. But I don't think any of the players that we've started today will be knackered or anything for that Wolves game. It's just going to be a case of on 60 minutes or 50, whatever it is, um, quick subs and then sort of fresh impetus change the game because we can't do much when the game gets stale at the moment either. That's the issue. We can't change things. And we were saying before we had the sort of raft of injuries about in-game management and little tactical tweaks and changes that we're making that Emery's made. Um, That's the sort of difference between an elite coach and whatever. But we can't actually do that at the moment, so we're you know we're a bit hamstrung at the moment, which is a shame because it's come at the wrong time in the season. So yeah, the only positive is that Wolves is still six games away. We can prepare properly for that, have a um, a proper game plan, and those players I'm sure will be you know bang up for it. Because again, today I don't think we played particularly bad. It's just that our players were knackered because they've played so much. They're playing on a big pitch away from home against a team we've only lost once, again, which was the opening day at home. Um, they're playing Man United, who are third in the league now. So, again, there's always going to be a time where that run was going to end. It's just a shame mm-hmm. it had to end uh, before the start of next season, I suppose. But I don't know, this almost feels like, do you remember when we went on that 10-game winning run in the Championship? And then last game of the season, we had Norwich, and I think, I think we lost 2-1 or something. It almost, at that point, anyway, it felt like, oh, well, we can now go into the playoffs um, without that sort of feeling of... Like oh, you've got a loss out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It probably sounds stupid, but going into the last four games of the season, everything's now like a clean slate. We've, we, had, we didn't score in the last game, so that record's done. Obviously, we've lost the game. But now we've got four games to really just go at it, and we've got a lot of preparation between each one. Players, again, hopefully will be coming back, although we haven't had them. You know, Hopefully, by the last three games, players will be ready to start again. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. who he didn't mention, but he just had a couple. Um, so they'll be training next week, at least two of them, hopefully four. Uh, but again, we don't know who. It's just a shame today we had to lose the game and lose it 1-0 in a bit of a sloppy goal, a bit of an annoying, frustrating yeah. game. But we've got a lot to look forward to in the last four games. Just hopefully we can um, yeah, make do with what we've got, I suppose, which is a shame. But that's just the way it is. Got to go on with it. Your point there about getting kind of the loss out of the way is my weird fan mentality to go like, you know, Villa won't go unbeaten for 15 games in a row, which is what it would have taken to go unbeaten to the, the end of the season. I know we could, it just doesn't... We could, but it just doesn't sound yeah. right, does it? Just, no, exactly. Doing 10 is unbelievable in itself. So I would feel like to do 10 and then lose today and then do four unbeaten, that sounds manageable. It's still, it'd still be 14 unbeaten out of 15, but you know what I mean? Like you've broken up the streak. Yeah, yeah. So I did that tweet after the full time and somebody said, well, we won't go unbeaten in the, in the last four. And I was like, well, why not? 
we don't have to but like if that's the like, mentality just don't don't lose any of those games and you'll probably you'll probably get into europe that feels yeah. achievable but having a run of 15 or 20 odd with, with scoring every single game that's going to run out at some point and today was that day um another couple of comments well, from jacob well, sorry that was um emmy martinez said after the game as well we haven't we didn't go to our traffic to draw the game we went to win and yeah. I don't think that's lip service either. I generally think that's probably the case because we were obviously hanging in. I say hanging in. We were trying to control it and not concede. And we've always going to. We're, we've always got a goal in us, as we've shown throughout the last twenty games before now. Um, and we nearly got it, to be fair, uh, concert. And I think it was offside for Louise when he had it cleared off the line. Yeah. So I was glad about that, by the way, because that would have irked me for for, for weeks. If <laughs> you know what I mean, cleared off the line and was going top corner um, at Old Trafford, but. Yeah, it's a uh, clean slate. Last four games, we'll just go at them and sort of play with no fear and we'll see what we can do. Hmm. Uh, the comment I was going to bring up was from Jacob. He says, I thought United got quite lucky today, although we didn't deserve a point. I think I don't know whether I'd say we deserved a point, but in uh, in another 90 minutes, that game does end in a draw and I think everyone goes, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, whether we deserved it or not is probably a slightly different matter, but I don't think many would have grumbled either side if that ended in, in a draw today. And the other bit was about the style of play today. Uh, I have starred them, so I should be able to see them, but I can't. It's about the high line. Oh, from Lee. So Emery's a great manager, but playing a high line against a side with one of the quickest forwards in the game is mental. Now, I agree to a certain extent, but you're far more te- technical and tactical than I am. And Unai Emery is far more tactical and technical than both of us combined. So you'd like to think if that's the way they've, they've come out to play, they've done it for a reason. But playing a very high line away at Old Trafford where they can pump long balls to Rashford to run in behind does feel like a recipe for disaster. So do you have any more insight than that than I do? And can you see what Emery was trying to do with that? The only thing I'd say on that is I don't actually think we were caught out many times by it. I know they the did goal do it a couple of times. True, but... Like, for example, their goal Martinez said that that was the first time in 40 minutes that he actually played a long ball from a goal kick. And it's yeah. odd to know that that was the one time that Casemiro has like a bullet header that goes perfectly into the Rashford stride. Um, I thought the game plan was actually okay because, I, again, the purpose why we've done that is to win the ball high up um, and then try and control it and dominate it ourselves. I think if we were penned back and playing, you know, 10, 20 yards deeper, well, then they've still got Fernandez, Ericsson, Rashford can make runs that are instead of a 12 to 20 yard sprint, he can run three yard sprint and get him beyond the defenders. So I, I, it probably looks crazy, but at the same time, those players can use their attributes um, in those tight spaces. And I don't actually think it would have helped us being so far back um, today. That's just my opinion. And I think that's probably what Emery's thought as well. I don't, I'm not trying to say to, uh, you know, that we're thinking alike, but. The reason why I've done it is to win the ball back high, try and dominate where we can in their uh, final third, which we didn't manage to do. But yeah, defensively, I don't think it would have particularly mattered. Like if we're going to be so so much more deep, I think they would have just controlled it with Ericsson, Fernandez. They got so many technical players, um, and we'd have probably been chasing shadows for most of it. So I, I'm okay with us playing higher. And I actually think Mings and Concert did well today. They won all the ground jewels and aerial jewels. <laughs> I know I always say that, but they did. Um, I'm playing out from the back, I think worked too. So I don't think we, I think it was mainly just because we were tired and um, and with that comes sort of fatigue uh, on the ball, off the ball. But yeah, I, I take the point of we were, you know, in behind, going to be vulnerable. But I don't think it was, you're going to be vulnerable against Man United, however you play. They've got so many tools and weapons um, to bring off the bench as well. So I actually think we managed it relatively well. Mm. Okay. 
Um, there's a couple of comments from Ian. Um, I'll only flash one up on screen. He says, <clears throat> I think people have got carried away lately. We have massively overachieved with such a thin squad. Top 10 is a massive achievement and we should be happy with that. Top 7 won't happen. Neil, that I won't flash up. Uh, it's not negative. Look at our squad. Emery's done amazingly well, but a lot of fans have got a bit sucked into it all. We look tired and running out of steam, which is expected. Again, I kind of agree with Ian's sentiments to, to an extent that we are kind of running out of steam a little bit, but that's today. If we beat Wolves and Spurs in the next two, you kind of go, oh, we're, we're revitalised, we're, we're energised, we're ready to go. So you know, if the season fizzles out and we don't pick up another point, I'd say, yeah, we've, we've run out of steam. The 10 games was as far as we could go and that was it. But today, like you said, I don't think we've played that badly and on another day that game's a draw and we're all pretty, pretty okay with that. I just wanted to kind of hone in on the point about have we all got a bit carried away? Is that a fair assessment, do you think? No, we've won eight of the last 10 games. Maybe carried away in terms of the Champions League. <laughs> but since Emery's come in, only two teams have got more points than us, and those are the best two teams in the division. And that's not over the course of five or six games. In fact, over the course of six games before this game, we had got the most points. But since mm. Emery came in in over 20 games, which is basically half the season, then only two teams have got more points. So that's enough of a sample size for us. I suppose to get carried away like what what can we achieve with that I'm sure Newcastle fans were saying this last season as well in terms of you know their sort of uh, remarkable run from bottom of the table up until towards the top half or maybe they did get the top half I'm not too sure but it, it's got parallels with that with us I think at the moment and again while you don't want to get too high and too high with the highs and too lows with the lows but although we've beat United I don't think that's sort of room to then say oh we're not going to get top seven like season's over or whatever that's again, United don't lose at home, and we've mm. come very close to drawing with them. And you know, again, I think if we had seven days, I know we had two days rest on them, to be fair, but they're, they've got so many top players to bring off the bench and change the game anyway. Um, I think if we had a full squad and days rest, you know, a week, a week rest, and we hadn't been playing at our maximum for the last, you know, however, however long, then we would have given them a better game. So, uh, no, I, I don't think um, we're getting carried away necessarily. I, like, again, I totally get the point because we've been nowhere really for the, for the last two years. But we've proven that we can mix it with all the good teams. We should yeah. have got some out of Arsenal. We should have got something out of today, uh, I think. Um, Liverpool game at home was a frustrating one because that came after, uh, that was on Boxing Day, wasn't it? And they got three goals, and but we it, they didn't deserve to score. Or, uh, we should have had uh, more than one. So we, we can compete against the best teams. We can clearly get points against any team in the division as well as, again, eight wins out of ten. So I don't think we're sort of, sort, sort of anywhere that we shouldn't be because, again, the sample size is so big. That's half of the season. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're getting carried away. And, again, we completely deserve to be where we are and outsiders are saying it as well. So it's not just us thinking that we're better yeah. Um, yeah. than what we should be or something, you know. Let's talk about Brendier. Tony says Brendier needs a rest. Discuss. And Aaron says Brendier is not that good, a position we must upgrade. Now, I agree that Brendier struggled today. I think uh, I saw a tweet from somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about like, the way he kind of holds holds players, uh, kind of backs into them and, and turns them. When it works, it's great. When it doesn't work, you think, oh, come on, like give us something a bit different. You're, you're being muscled off the ball and because I don't know, it's a physical thing that he looks small. You just think, oh, come on, like you've been pushed off there. But when it does work, you think, oh, yeah, look at him go. So it's, it's a very kind of um, flawed kind of analysis of that. But yeah, I think 
people probably expect more from Brendier given how much he cost and that he played so well in the championship getting whatever it was 15 goals and 15 assists or whatever yeah. it was before he joined us but he's only got did he get his first assist of the season a few weeks ago like you'd expect him to have done better numbers than he has is he do we need to upgrade I'm waffling here because I'm trying to kind of get my own thoughts out but I don't know what my, I don't know what I think of him that's probably that's probably that my analysis so. of it uh, I kind of want to believe and, and think he is the right fit but if Emery goes actually he's not right here's somebody else and he fits this position perfectly I wouldn't be like oh no Brendier's gone I kind of go yeah right fair enough so I'm indifferent to him probably I like him but if he if he can be upgraded I'm all for that how do you feel about him? Uh I said it. I've said it for for, for, um, for a while now, and there were, up until I actually think that recently, apart from the last like two or three games, I think he was actually doing all right. During, obviously, yeah, during that, fine, yeah. during that sort of run, but when we um, when we got eight out of ten wins, but that's because I think everyone played well. So um, yeah, like I can't re- again, I can't recall, and I always say that I can't recall like four or five games where he's really taken the game by the scruff of the neck, and he's been. Uh, the best player on the pitch and again for, for the record signing that's what you expect don't you especially in the position that he's in um he does play a key role in terms of how we build up mm. and how we try and use the ball and and sort of move through the third he does play a key role in that but that isn't a role that you know that no one else can do so yeah i'm sure we'll be looking to say upgrade but i don't think it's upgrading when dear it's just upgrade uh, upgrading the squad and upgrading what options we have in in attack because obviously he's playing that role um, with Watkins isn't he at the moment even though we probably could mm-hmm. be doing uh, the same position as Ramsey or McGinn where they're playing sort of slightly more advanced than the double pivot but that role next to Watkins I do th- that is something that we're going to uh, improve on or at least add competition to in the summer so his position will come under threat Leon Bailey's behind him as well so though you know that there's another player and I don't know if he's sort of a casualty of the sort of um, you know playing every game and being tired. I don't know if that works with Wendy because he sort he seems to be buzzing about a lot. But yeah, like today he's just lacking quality. Um, mm. He lost the ball a lot, and again, that's the first thing that you need if you're an Unai Emery player is to protect the ball, control it, yeah. um, and move it basically, and find the right positions and and contribute. And he is, he isn't really doing any of those things at the moment. Which is a shame because he definitely can, but he's just not showing it. And simply put, you have to show it, else you'll find yourself on the bench next season. So I'm with the fans that are sort of say criticising him. I suppose it is critical to say it, but I, again, these are all things that Emmy Buendia will be perfectly aware of, and that Emery will be aware of as well. There's definitely a player in there, and he does have the quality to make it as a good Premier League player, but he's just not being consistent enough with it. I think that's the issue. And yeah. again, in the summer, we will be looking at those positions and we will be buying players to improve the 11. And if that means Buendia dropping to the bench or playing less games, then you know what? That might be a good thing for him because he can come off the bench and make an impact. And it, uh, sometimes players do need competition to um, to start getting to higher levels, should we say. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's a case of him... Um, sort of being binned out of the squad in the summer or whatever and he'll be making way for someone again it's just competition you need that in a squad as we've proven right now because you look at the bench and we've got two players who come on every game in Luca Dean Bertrand Traore mm-hmm. and you know you can't expect them to to, to make an impact uh, every game else they wouldn't be on the bench would they so yeah um, like I said I can't kind of verbalise my thoughts on Brendy I think he's been probably unfairly criticised uh, and probably goes under the radar a little bit but I also want and, and expect more of him 
at the same time. So here's a few quick comments. I'll flush them through. Uh, Sai says, they've left Mings alone now. The scapegoat is Buendia. Lemming says, he's the record signing. He's bang average. Uh, Buendia needs to play the simple pass more often. Um, Buendia seems to play best as an impact player off the bench. Good squad player, says Jacob, but shouldn't be a starter next season. Um, he does struggle physically sometimes, says Mr. Cheesyfy. Second mention for Mr. Cheesyfy. Uh, and when Dia needs competition, competition for places can have a material impact on a player's performance. And at the minute, he's a nailed on starter due to injuries. Yeah. Uh, and finally, from John, when is a class player, but it's too lightweight in the role he's being asked to play. All kind of uh, fair comments, I think. Yeah, that especially the point about he needs competition. I do think that is uh, almost the main point for me. Um, mm. Like competition at the moment because he knows he's playing every week and it is probably just a mentality thing if he knows he's going to be playing uh, from the off and yeah listen we'll see what happens next season because he's had well, this is now his second full season at the club obviously but the first one was difficult because of uh, a manager changing Dean Smith this year's been difficult because of Gerard at the start didn't really play him at all um, mm. but now he's had an opportunity and he hasn't quite taken it I don't think you know Leon Bailey sort of similar but again he does play a key role in the way that we build up. There are qualities there that Emery clearly likes um, in terms of his combative as well. He can contribute defensively and he does get around the pitch. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the summer. I think that's the sort of the takeaway from Buendir. But ultimately, I think everyone's looking for more, including himself. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's go back to Man United from Michael. What do you hate most about Man United and why is it Bruno Fernandes? <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've, I tweeted during the game, is there a more dislikable character in the Premier League than um, Bruno Fernandes? And there's 72 replies. And I'm 90% sure that 72 replies all say no. He's the most dislikable player in the Premier League. One shout for Patrick Bamford, which made me laugh because I've, I've had a go about him before. I just don't like Fernandes. It's a, it's a chance to have a little bit of a moan, I guess. He, the record that he scored is it seven goals against us now in eight games is frankly ridiculous. The most goals against any opposition in his career is Aston Villa. Every time we play them, he's involved in some kind of event in that he's either scoring or some kind of controversy, winning a penalty or diving or moaning or whinging or, or whatever he's up to. I just don't like him. He's horrible, isn't he? Is that fair to say? It's not fair to say. I really shouldn't be doing that with somebody like that, but he's just so unlikable. Just the way I don't, like, um, I, I don't know about like you know I, I'm to be honest I don't really care how footballers um, act or whatever but when it's sort of simulative and they're and they're always on the floor and sort of crying around and rolling around holding their ankle when it was the thigh that got hit or something yeah that sort of stuff's just um, well, it's cheating isn't it <laughs> because you, yeah. you do you know what I mean straight up but uh, to be honest again he's probably one of those players that you want on your team rather than not. Um, he is the one thing I would say about Fernandez is he is a winner and he does strive for the best and that's something that Tottenham are missing. I know they wanted to sign him when United got him instead yeah. and that's exactly yeah. the sort of player that they need right now. Um, so every player needs that. So every team needs that sort of player. But at the same time, I think if United fans must look at him and to be fair, I think Neville said it a lot uh, when he's rolling around and sort of shrugging his arms up and down and whatever. Then that stuff's just I don't think, I don't see how that can benefit anyone. Um, but yeah, uh, someone's just mentioned that he said something about the Villa fans. I've no idea what was said or if I've, it was bad. I've seen it. Yeah, he was asked about his celebration in front of in front of the Villa fans, and he just kind of stood there staring. And the, the reporter, whoever it was, said that had the Villa fans been giving you some stick, so you kind of stood in front of them to celebrate and just kind of got, got, gave him a stare kind of thing. Right. And he just said something like, "No, there's no disrespect. I scored at that end. I always go to that corner because I'm not going to run up to the other end in front of the Man United fans." It's just like, whatever, mate. 
Still yeah, a cheating rat bag, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Again, yeah, he's a he's a winner, but I think you can be a bit more um, respectful in terms of your colleagues and other players and maybe fans as well sometimes. But yeah, yeah more he, like say like you'd like him if he played for you, and you probably would. But like he's moaning about his own teammates more often that than not. I, mean, I, like. I hate that kind yeah, of that's stuff. What I'm saying the mentality I like and what he brings in terms of he's a winner, but. The, the added stuff which Fernandez seems to bring and no one else seems to um, that stuff no I wouldn't like anywhere near my dressing room hmm. let's move on um, let's talk about uh, John Duran there's a couple of comments about when we were talking earlier about uh, how we impact games off the bench um, yeah. when I'd came back from come back from paternity leave he just signed and he'd featured a little bit and maybe did a little flick or something and I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh, I'm excited to get back and like see this guy because he seems to have a bit of something about him. He seems to be a good character. Any kind of video he's sticking on social media, he seems to be absolutely loving it, doing little kick-ups with the ball boys and, and all the mascots and stuff. And you kind of go, there's, there's a character there, there's something in John Duran somewhere, we're just yet to see it. As a footballer, I probably haven't seen enough of him yet to kind of pass a judgment, I guess, but maybe we would like to have seen a little bit more of an impact. So a couple of questions from Erin. And Mr. Cheesevoy again. Christ, big shout-outs for these two. There's loads of comments, by the way. These are the ones I've just picked randomly. Uh, not impressed with Duran, both what he's shown just yet. He came on and complained most of the time. Mr. Cheesevoy says, third mention, Duran can offer something different at least. I suppose that's the it's the unknown with Duran. If you're bringing him on for 15 minutes, you kind of think, well, what is he going to do? Is he going to do something out, out of nothing? I think it's been very good when he's come on. I don't know how other fans feel about it, but just my, I haven't actually seen the sort of, I don't know if there's a split opinion or whatever, but I think it's been very good when he's come on, like really encouraging for a, is he 19, 19 year old, isn't he? Um, he puts his body about and he causes chaos really whenever he comes on. I, I think he should be brought on um, almost every game because I don't, I don't see what he does that's, that's um, affecting us in a bad way. Like against City, he comes on and nearly scores one of the best goals we've scored in the Premier League era. Um, against Leicester, he put himself around well. Against Arsenal, he did the same thing. Uh, there was another game as well. I forget. And then, then today, I thought he did well because there was like a couple of occasions where we couldn't quite get out. And then it was just a simple ball over to Duran and he held off the defender well. There was one where I think he spun one of the defenders or something. And then Watkins couldn't sort of give him the ball back or something like that. But I I just think, again, like like the chap says, there, it gives us something different, something that we don't have. Um it's hard to compare in terms of other strikers. Uh, there's definitely a striker there that I know that I've seen before, but I can't figure out who it is. He's almost what like a blend of different forwards. But One of the comments mentions Darwin Nunes. Is that fair? Maybe. Uh, another one that I had in my head, but uh, yeah, potentially. But it, the physicality, isn't it? And I also like the fact, and these are kind of things that you probably shouldn't really like champion, but you've got a yellow card against Newcastle for doing something stupid, just kind of getting in someone's face or having a go or ha- hacking someone down. I can't remember what it quite was. And today he got into a little bit of a scuffle with Luke Shaw as yeah. well. And even if it's that, that he's going to come on and just disrupt people and be a bit of an, an annoyance and frustrate yeah. the opposition, that might create an opening for somebody else. There's a time and place for that sort of stuff. And I don't know if he quite, if he's learnt that sort of um, art yet, but. Hmm. if he has that side to him then maybe it could work for us um, I don't know if it helped today because it kind of just wasted a bit of time but from what I've seen of him I'm really impressed like genuinely I think he can be a really good player the only issue is that strikers just you know, you've got to be some special talent to become a top striker at the age of 21 or even 22 which is going to be in two or three seasons time and by then you're going to hope that he's going to be 
as good enough to start for us to make an impact. So we've, mm. but it's rare that happens. You know, obviously Harland breaks that mould. A couple of other players. I know Harland's like elite, elite, but like Brighton's Ferguson, he's nineteen, I think, and look what he's doing. So mm. it's very rare that you can come across those players. Hopefully, Duran is that for us, but. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But personally, I've been really impressed by what I've seen and I want to see more of it. But it's difficult because obviously Emery sees these players every day. Uh, he doesn't sleep until like 4am probably <laughs> in terms of what he's doing at Bodymore. So I'm not questioning at all him uh, having like a lack of game time or anything like that. But if we are lacking numbers in the attack, I'm surprised he hasn't probably had a bit more game time uh, than mm. what he's been given. Um yeah, we'll see what happens uh, next season because obviously, again, we're going to be having more numbers come in in terms of the attacking uh, area of the pitch. Maybe he'll, he'll go out on loan potentially. I don't know if that's an option. There's a comment that I was about to mention from Lee says, loan him out to Victoria. There's yeah, one for you. That's, yeah, that's probably the, the, uh, the obvious one the Portuguese league makes uh, players, don't they? So, mm-hmm. makes players, don't they? That's a really poorly worded sentence, but they're. <laughs> They've obviously got a history of developing players. And old players. Yeah, I did write a nice piece about this and I can't even talk about it now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, one more individual I want to talk about because I'm wary for time a little bit and that's Ollie Watkins. There's a comment earlier. It's sort of kind of like he's kind of called off a little bit now. So can we rely on him next season to be the man who will score you know, 20 goals, whatever? Yeah. I would like to think the form he's shown since January is that yes, he can still be that man. He's recently had a second child and we talked about this a few weeks ago. It might have been me and Ash or months ago, in fact. I think it was me and Ash and we talked about the run of form he had after his first baby and how maybe that had an impact because you kind of forget sometimes that they are just human beings with, with responsibilities and if he is having rough nights with a little one, it is like, as much as it sounds like a stupid point, that is going to affect like your day-to-day job as a normal person, never mind going out with the pressure of having to score goals and be physically fit and alert and all those kind of things. And yes, people are going to go, oh, they paid a lot of money, kind of just get on with it. But he did have a dip-off in form after his first child. He's now had a second one three, four weeks ago as a rough guess, and he's probably not scored since then. He might have scored just one since then. So again, people are just going to start going, well, maybe he's just tired. Maybe he's got more pressure and more responsibility at home, and that's affecting his his footballing life. The flip side of that is people will go, "Well, he's got something to play for. Like he's got to provide for his family and all these kind of things." But there has been a slight dip off over the last couple of games, as the whole side has, I guess. If we're talking about Villa looking tired and jaded, if Watkins is going to have this run of form of scoring goals and then goes three or four games without scoring, that's kind of par for the course, isn't it? He's going to go through those those spells. Um, but you, yeah, I'd still back Watkins to score. If he's starting most games, I'd still back him to score one every two and finish on 15 goals kind of thing in the season. Well, but a lot of it is um, it's service, isn't it? So, of course, yeah. How many chances do we make against Brentford? Not many. How many chances do we make against Fulham? Not many because for the second half, we didn't really play. <laughs> and mm. today, again, you're playing United, so we didn't create a whole load, uh, you know, too many chances either. So ultimately, it's what can he do with the service that he's getting? He's not going to um, score an individual goal every game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have like no worries but for that at all. It ultimately just depends how we play and if we play to our best ability and uh, and putting balls in the box and making use of space and, again, playing as Emery wants us to. Watkins will score goals, there's no doubt about it. it to us, mm-hmm. whoever's in front, and that's not saying anything against Watkins, but as long as we've got, a, got players... Um, you know, in the final third, making good movement and wh- whatever it may be, like whoever we're going to sign in the summer to play alongside him, as long as chances are created, we're, we're, we're going to score goals. Whoever's, you know, 
whoever the chance falls to more often than not Watkins will take them because he's a he's obviously a better finisher than some of the players that we have and that's why he's played as a striker um but yeah I have no doubts that he'll get goals next next season and get us um you know plus 15 goals that's fine he might not score whatever he got was it like nine and nine and eleven I think it was was his was his best I think <laughs> he might not do that next season but if he gets 17 and 35 that's cool because yeah. the, 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 that sort of goal um, return that will get us into the top seven next season as well. Let's kind of finish then with almost like an, not an assessment of the season because I know it's not over, but kind of maybe perspective, a dose of perspective, let's say. There's three comments that I'll, I'll read in quick succession and, and we'll kind of get the comments to, to chip in as well in a second. Uh, Steve said, actually, I'll leave Steve to last. Adam. European dream is over for me. Been poor the last three games where a loss was coming. D, we're out of the race. Not because of the result, but because we look knackered. And Steve, whatever happens now, it's been a brilliant show since Unai came on board. Gerard would have taken us down for sure. Today was just a game too far. Now, I'm inclined to agree with Steve there at, at, at this present time. If we finish eighth now, we're doing our end of season kind of review at some point, and we'll have details on that soon as well. Will I sit there if we finish eighth and say it's been a brilliant season? Yes, probably. But I will be, immediately after the season ends, I will be disappointed that we fell out of fifth place at one stage down to eighth in the last month of the season because it's natural to lose a couple of games and dip out. It's it's the way the games have come, isn't it? If you just told us back in November you'll finish eighth, we'd have gone, yep, cool, thanks yeah, for that. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's a massive improvement. That, that That's a great season. But because we've been in around the top six for a few weeks now, to finish outside of European football at all, and I'm talking about eighth place specifically, if it's seventh, I'll say, yes, brilliant season. I'm talking about no European football whatsoever. I will probably sit there and go, deflated. There's the word in the comments. That's how I feel. Deflated in the moment. With hindsight, I'll probably go, it's still a great season because Gerard was going to take us down. That's That was a fact. He was woeful and we've massively improved since then I can't quite get on board with the comments saying that we're out of the race and the European dream is over because there's still there's still four games to go and to say that on the 30th of April when in theory yes I don't think we're going to do it in theory you could win four games out of four because if you do European football is absolutely guaranteed then it's not going to happen but you know what I mean I can't write it off when it's not mathematically impossible do I think that we're kind of coming to the end of a a good run of form, possibly. If we lose to Wolves and we don't beat Spurs, it, it might be a step too far to, to jump back up into the top seven. No. Um, but it's not impossible to it's, it's mathematically over. So, yes, it's been a brilliant season, but because we've come as far as we have, I think you've at least got to finish in the top seven to ride that wave of momentum of feeling like it's been a great, great season. I, I don't think... I, you can't say the European dream or us getting Europe is over. Like, you, you can't because, I, again respect the opinion but at this stage of the season every game is just taking a singular now when we mm. play Wolves if we beat them can we get European football yes yeah so of course it's still on all we've got to do is beat Wolves I say all we've got to do it sounds simple but we're going to go into that game as favourites and if we win the game we're going to be sitting in fifth or sixth heading into the final three against Spurs at home can we win that yes we can if we win that we'll probably finish above Spurs if we, even if we lose to Liverpool, because then the final game of the season, again, if we have to win it, you back us to do that against Brighton, who will probably already have European football sewn up by then. Possibly, but yeah. If we can beat Wolves, it's on. Do you know what I mean? We're there. We're dancing. It's fine, in my opinion. It's just doing it. 
that's obviously the difficult bit. If we draw against Wolves, then we're not out of it. Of course, we're not, but it makes it makes the job a whole lot harder. And again, that Spurs yeah. game is massive. We have to win it. Um, but yeah, it, I, I don't think you can say. I think it's negative to say that the European dreams are just because we lost to Man United, who have got an exceptional home record. We play Wolves next. If we if we beat them, <laughs> European football's on with three games to go against <laughs> a group of teams who are all around us. That's brilliant. It's like a playoff situation. Um, Will this season be a success if we don't finish in the top seven? Yeah, of course it will, because we'll be going to finish, because we'll finish eighth. We're not going to finish lower than that, I don't think, unless we lose, you know, half of our games coming up and Bright, uh, Brentford do, you know, particularly well. But it needs to be contextualised because obviously we've had a bad first uh, 11 fixtures. Mm. Um, but then we've had an exceptional <laughs> last uh, 27 games, or, or, or it will be last 27. So how do you view that? I suppose, yeah, overall, it's a good season, but. Again, we haven't had a, a proper season, have we really, apart from the 20 to 21 season when it was locked down, of just having a manager from start to finish. And mm. it's all, uh, you know, kind of clean, sort of no interruptions. Um, that's going to be next season. So that's something to look forward to because we know that we're good enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, again, like we've had two seasons of just chopping and changing. We don't know really where we're going, but since Emery's come in, we've been, as I say, really good. So, yeah, next season will be fine. Um to get European football for that season, we've got a game against Wolves that's just huge. And if we can win it, I think we'll all be, you know, in a much happier place than maybe where we are now, where some fans are thinking, ah, oh, we're probably not going to do it anyway. I, th- I don't know, maybe it's just a thing of, you know, when you lose games sometimes, you think, ah, oh, well, you kind of tell yourself that it's not on or you kind of yeah. soon and build your hopes up. All we've got to do is beat Wolves and we're right back in it. I say right back in it, we're in it now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Let's just see what happens. Hey, we- Let's just take Wolves as a game on its own and see what happens. We, we keep saying take it one game at a time and every so often the comments will say, lads, you're getting too carried away. It's, it's one game at a time. But for the sake of the podcast, where we are at this point in the season to still be even involved in a run-in to any degree and it not be a relegation scrap, it's <laughs> nice that we can still be yeah. talking about it. And it. It's difficult to talk about a game in isolation at this point because it's what does that mean for the, the run-in? What does that mean for the end of the season? What does that yeah. mean for Man United now having to go and play X? How does that affect us? So, so it's difficult to just chat about Aston Villa versus Man United and keep it tight on that. It's all about the wider picture at this point. So we're going to get carried away. If we beat Wolves, it's going to be, oh, what about Brighton on the last day? And we'll be getting carried away for the final three and all this kind of thing. So yeah, it's the, it's the wider picture at this point. If we beat Wolves, it's, it's definitely on. If we lose to Wolves, even then, until it's mathematical, I wouldn't say it's over, but we'll feel right down in the dumps if we lose to Wolves. So. Yeah, I think we need to win three of the next four and I think three of the next four will do it. If we lose to Wolves, then we're going to have to win three in a row against <laughs> yeah. all those teams. But if you beat Spurs, well, then you go to Liverpool's thinking, oh, we're going to have to win there. And again, they'll have European football sewn up as, as will Brighton when we play them. So anything can happen, but let's just treat it as one game at a time. And I know that sounds a bit like boring, but it's just so true. And again, Wolves, if we can win that game with a hopefully mm. and we have two games then to win at home. The Liverpool game is almost like a free hit for me because I think we'll get top seven if we can win three out of four. Okay. I don't think we'll win three out of four. I think we might win two and, and get a point in the other and, and we'll see whether that's enough. It depends who we beat. If it's we take points up broad and, and that's the... Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, can I, uh, can I, are, we, are we about to finish? Yeah, well, what do you want to do? Make a quick uh, shout out. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yes, here we go. We're uh, in the admin section of the podcast, yeah. I would say. Shout out to uh, to Zach. I, I met Zach at the gym for the support for the podcast. He says he's been watching it for years. We, we were saying... Oh, nice. to we both thought we'd get to win at United, um, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, 
But uh, yeah, thanks for the support, Zach. He's backing us for, for the European Tour next season. So yeah. Lovely stuff. I'll actually do a shout out on behalf of Matt because obviously Matt's not here today and I don't know when he's going to be next on because Wolves is away as well and he doesn't tend to do away games. <laughs> he was messaging me on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, it's the night after Fulham. And he said that some he was walking around wherever, his local town, <laughs> and a postman came up to him and was like, are you Matt Kendrick? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. I don't know what he did, but he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he was like, this postman was on his round delivering letters and he said, I'm listening to you right now. And he was listening to the post-match chat of Fulham from the night before on his paper round, whatever you call it. That's mad, isn't it? It's to be recognised is is one thing and it's great. For the person who spots you to be also listening to the podcast that you're on at the same time is mind-blowing. If that happens to me, I'll probably just die on the spot. It's more Um, weird than it's fun, to be honest. It's just a yeah. I can imagine that you turn around and the guy who's talking in your ears is stood in front of you and just by, by circumstance that's mad um, the last thing I wanted to plug very quickly is Claret and Blue Live 2.0 is confirmed and is uh, is happening on the 1st of June this year obviously <laughs> it's the 1st of May tomorrow so it's just, just over a month um, tickets will be available they will be free, as far as I'm concerned, right at the second uh, on Tuesday, the second of May. Um, there will be a link on our social media, so fo- follow us on Twitter, Claret Blue Pod, uh, our personal Twitter as well. It'll be everywhere. We'll, we might even do a video on YouTube to announce that the tickets have gone up as well. Um, it's at the Hockley Social Club in uh, the, in Birmingham, the Jewelry Quarter. The venue, we've been there a couple of times now. The venue holds something like 950. And I was like, we won't need that many. I think we had 150 come to our mid-season review at the Aston Social in Chris- at Christmas when you know, we had just come and won, won two games, I think, at that point. Yeah, it was yeah. like a million years ago, doesn't it? That, I keep thinking um, that was like a post-match from last season, but it was yeah. nice. Midway through this season, yeah, madness. And I remember being like you, like going met mad for Emery and like, making him out to like, this big deal. And I was like, oh, you're going to look, look like a fool if this goes wrong. You were right to be fair, and he's probably gone way above all of our expectations. So we'll be doing an end of season review um, at the Hockley Social Club in the Jewelry Quarter on June the first. Tickets will be free, and there'll be a link for that coming very soon. Uh, me, you'll be there. Matt will be there. Ash will be there, hopefully as well. And we'll do an end of season review and a Q and A and a raffle and all those kind of things as well. So Carlton Blue Live 2.0 is confirmed. Stay tuned to our social channels, and you'll be able to get tickets for that. Um, that's it for today there John thanks for joining me as always um, we've uploaded a video every single day in, in April which has has been a challenge trust me there's been times where it's like right we need a video today to keep up the streak what are we going to talk about and it wasn't like we'll do content for the sake of content because Villa have been so good recently that it's like there's loads to talk about but it's like oh we need to keep the streak alive we need to get on and make something and do something we're not going to have anything on like the 2nd of May. <laughs> so tomorrow will be the first day in a month where we don't post a video. It's a bank holiday and I'm off, unbelievably. So there'll be no video tomorrow. We'll probably be back on, on the 2nd of May or the 3rd of May with something fresh. So we're going to try and do maybe three or four videos a week instead of seven a week. There's been some days where we've posted twice as well, which is insanity, really. I know it's our job, but like I've, we've got other responsibilities. So to be able to do a video or fresh podcast every single day in a month has been a, an effort. So thank you very much for tuning in over April. Our numbers and stuff have been great because Villa have been good. So it's nice that people have kind of connected with the show, I guess, and found the show. We've had a lot of new subscribers in April, so welcome. Um but yeah, we won't kind of commit to the same output 
in the in the months coming forward but we are committed to making the podcast bigger and better and getting guests on and doing more things in person and whatnot but yeah it's a a time thing i guess more than anything john like i said thanks for joining me thanks for the live people uh the fans joining tuning the fans tuning in live as well and getting involved in the comments section and kind of guiding the the agenda for this show and uh, like i said no video tomorrow we'll be back at some point midweek though with something fresh as we build up to wolves away uh thanks everyone for watching claret and blue live tickets coming soon and uh we'll see you soon bye-bye thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa Bye.